I mean, just perfect conditions. And I tell you what, the weirdest part about it, perfect conditions on Saturday, Sunday when we were hitting the brown trout, gin clear water. So it went from, you know, you asked me earlier, like, what's my favorite water type? That green, almost sea ocean kind of kind of flow where you can mask off what you're doing. That was Saturday. We were hammering steelhead. Next day, gin clear. Now we got all these brown trout around us. And it was just, they're not common. You know, in, in Erie, the brown trout are not not really common. So it was just fish after fish after fish, both days. And I, I, I tell you what, I think it wasn't even so much the fish. I think it was more so, for me, the conversations with my friends. You know, the inside jokes we have. The, you know, busting each other a little bit, you know, joking around. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by the folks at the Fly Crate. Get double the flies when you join their monthly fly club for a fun way to learn fly fishing and discover new flies each month. Just use the code double the flies at checkout or stock up on flies for your next trip and get free shipping on all orders of $15 or more. Go to www.theflycrate.com to adventure by the fly. We're going to try something a little different that we've been meaning to do for quite some time. We're looking to get a little more interactive with you, the listeners. So if you've got some ideas regarding topics, uh, some questions maybe you'd like to ask some of our guests, or maybe you yourself would like to come on the podcast, shoot me an email at mark at flyfishing97.com, and we'll try the best to get your questions answered. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Really excited this time around. We want to welcome Stephen Sunik to the program. Now, Stephen's with Ghost Tech Strike Indicators. He's been working on some pretty exciting things. We're going to get to that. Stephen, thanks for coming on the program. Oh, no problem. It's, it's a pleasure. Yeah, we. I really appreciate it. I know you've got some exciting things to tell our uh, fly fishing community, fly fishing listeners about. Um, I always like to start the show off, kind of go back to, to your roots, Stephen. How, how did things get started in fly fishing for you? Tell us about that journey. Well, I tell you what, I, I picked up a, a rod when I was a little kid fishing with my dad, and you know, that was typical spin fishing. So I've been fishing the whole life, but I've always been a little bit, you know, when they call it fly curious, where you go out there and you see fly fishermen and they're doing this beautiful, you know, fishing and sometimes they're catching more than you as a spin fisher. And about four years ago, I finally picked up a fly rod. I stopped in a local fly shop. They rigged me up. He actually took me out that day, got me on the water, and I, and I was severely hooked from the very, from the very beginning. Hmm. And, uh, you know, when I was out there, one of the difficulties that I found um, was, you know, they give you a, a standard heavy plastic, you know, uh, strike indicator to go out and like learn the ropes. And, you know, with that, I, I mean, I've been fishing my whole life. I kind of know what I need to do to get fish to, to bite or take. And I just couldn't do it with the other indicators because they'd splash and scale all the fish away. Right. Yeah. So, the one day I'm out there, I'm, I'm casting, I'm scaring all these fish. I can just see them just going all over the place. And the next thing I do is I start looking at the yarn ones and things like that. But other than that one day of a local fly shop taking me out, I never had anyone to teach me. So, you know, of course, I went to the yarn indicators, all those ones that are out there, the fabrics. And no one ever taught me that I needed to put floating on that stuff, right? So, 
you can imagine I'm throwing these big, heavy uh, beadhead nymphs with tungsten and split shot, and they're just going right to the bottom. And I said, this is absolutely crazy. You know, the products that are out there, some are too big, they're scaring them away, and other ones that are too small and, and delicate just sink. So I, I try to do, like, the whole tight line thing. And, and one day when I was out there screwing around and not really catching too much, I noticed, you know, bubbles floating down the water. And I was like, man, it'd be cool if you could just attach bubbles right to your, to your fly line, right, and float it down the water. So it's <laughs> kind of what I did. I reverse engineer it from what's natural. That's a really cool... Maybe you could speak about that process, Stephen, because I'm really curious... I'm always looking for a better way to fish a strike indicator. It's kind of a, it's almost a pastime of mine. And, and, and take us through that creative process. Okay. So you're thinking of this bubble and where to go from there. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that was like the first thing that you learn when you're fly fishing, you know, the foam is home. So you're constantly watching your line go down the water. And I just remember seeing these like bubbles just constantly floating. And I just started, you know, I work with a lot of manufacturers. I'm a, I'm a, come from a printing manufacturing background. So I have quite a few influences where I get to go and I visit all these different manufacturing shops. So I'm quite exposed to all the different plastics and, you know, just the different materials that, uh, you know, we produce here in the States, locally in Pennsylvania. And I pretty much just put two and two together and just reverse, reverse engineer how to put bubbles on your line simply, you know? So it's just, I figured if something was, so natural as a bubble floating on the water, it wouldn't really matter what it would actually be made from, right? Because it would look just like those bubbles and be less likely to scare the fish while you're presenting the fly. That makes a lot of sense. And I always think the best inventions on anything are kind of naturally based. You know what I mean? Like they, they echo on a theme that already is occurring in nature. Well, of course. And I, th- I think it was just a matter of you know, um, something that was kind of built out of frustration, right? You know, I'm loving these big splashy indicators and and all of them. I mean, I tried every single one that's out there, you know, from the super heavy ones all the way down to, to the natural yarn and nothing really fulfilled all the needs. And the more that I kept playing around with the design, you know, I kept engineering different things to pretty much just put the best things that you would want from an indicator in, into the ghost tech product mm-hmm. and you know i came up with something that's one sixth the weight which is ridiculously light compared to some of the other uh heavier ball plastic indicators you might use up there right and uh that one sixth the weight it just hits the water without even making a splash you know i have a lot of people just laugh that they look at someone who's casting a ghost tech and they'll notice that their nymphs will actually splash more than the indicator. Hmm. And it's, it's just ridiculous. You know, you see, see the indicator hit the water and the fish don't budge. I mean, there's fish that, that I've, I've casted to 30, 40 times sight casting that don't move at all. And, you know, on that 30, 40th cast, you'll, you'll hook them. You know how there's not many indicators out there that will do that. Right. Well, I like the idea of the no splash. I also like the. Um, I was looking at some of your your videos on your on your indicators, and mm-hmm. the the way they travel through the air is quite revolutionary. I mean, there's not a lot of uh, grab. No, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things if you think about the physics of your line, right? All your energy is coming down the line. Now, this thing has a 
a threaded fastener that attaches, so it's holding it fixed on the line. And the air pucks are actually moving on a horizontal plane, so they're cutting with the side profile versus the face of them that you're actually seeing with your uh, with with your actual indicator set up on the water. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like I, I had one fellow out from Idaho call it like a ninja star indicator because it's flying just like a ninja star flowing through the through the air as you toss it or a frisbee. Right. But it's not spinning because it's fixed. So it's not actually like twisting your line or doing anything like that. It's just it has that that almost like a paper airplane through through the air kind of motion. And there's you know, so it almost cuts through like mm-hmm. a like a helicopter blade that doesn't spin. A ninja star, that's a good analogy. I like that. Yeah, the ninja star was pretty cool. I really I really liked it. But you know, the 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 one thing I don't really like or I don't really mock it is a a ninja star is you know, with those objects that you're throwing at distance, like a ninja star or a frisbee, um, they're rotating, right? Or like a helicopter. Mm-hmm. This doesn't rotate in the air. It doesn't rotate in the air and it doesn't rotate underwater. So you don't have to worry about it, you know, twisting up your line or anything like that. It's just, the fi- it's a fixed thing to your to your line, so it can't really spin. And there's nothing, there's no resistance. There's not enough resistance when you're casting. So you're from the uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania area is a lot of the waters in your neck of the woods pretty spooky fairly clear so we have a really beautiful mix here in in bethlehem it goes from anything that you could jump across crystal clear um you know natural wild uh fish water all the way to, to big rivers um some rivers uh you know like the delaware river is only a half an hour away from where i live you have the lehigh which is just a massive river that you can float and fish for big trout too. Um, so it's a, it's a varying uh, water type place, which just made it perfect for, you know, testing the indicators. Mm. Um, you know, I go back to my like origin story when I was first learning to fly fish, I would pass the Monocacy Creek every day to, to fish. And it's, you know, it's a beautiful wild trout stream right in the heart of the city, which is, I think it's the only one in existence in the state. At least that's what my local TU chapter says, (laughs) you know? So it's one of those pristine waters, but all the fish are super pressured from all the people because of of the residents there and it's crystal clear water. So, you know, that's where I came up with my actual idea for the the ghost tech. But but fortunately, because we have all the diverse water in this area, I was able to explore and and find out different adaptations to it. What? You know, so I think in my own mind, like if, if, you, yeah, if you're they, fishing like a spring creek mm-hmm. in Montana where you you're almost hunting, you know, you gotta you gotta come up on these fish Absolutely. very, um, you know, you gotta be aware of the noise you're making and and the, the shadows you're casting. An indicator like that would would probably just suit that perfectly. Yeah, it's it's you know we we spend a lot of time testing and talking with the with a lot of my friends out here that I fly fish with and. You know, we've come to kind of a group consensus. You know, obviously it's not scientifically proven or anything, but the group consensus is because the indicator doesn't splash. Fish don't care. You know, they they see junk floating down the water all day long. You know, leaves in my area, a little bit of trash and debris. They don't care about the shadows coming above their head of something that's only like three quarters of an inch wide. But that splash will just send them all over the place. You know, that vibration going right through their lateral line, it's just killer. So, 
like you're saying, you're hunting them, but they'll never see the indicator itself. They don't care. And, you know, a nice little byproduct of how it's made, it looks like bubbles, but I've used, you know, bright orange ones that I have, yellow ones. It, it really comes down to that splash, you know, so if you can mitigate that and stand behind the fish, mm-hmm. you can just make a ton of, you know, user errors as a, a beginner fly fisherman all the way up to an expertise, you know? Yeah. I'm, so and I'm thinking just, too, like those gin clean, clear waters you see in New Zealand or, uh, any type of, uh, Mm-hmm. You know, high alpine water system tends to be, you know, gin clear. Uh, I, I could see a big advantage to yeah. fishing in, in that type of water. Yeah, and, that, and like I said, that's where we, that's where I started with this. And this was designed to be uh, a PA, pretty much native wild fish indicator. I didn't, I didn't really uh, come out of the gate with the initial concept that you can use it for much bigger fish and bigger water that was just one of the blessings of having an area in the valley here with the diverse, you know, water types we mm-hmm. have because there's nothing to it to just take the, the nut off the threaded fastener and add an extra air puck or two to your indicator. So they're stackable. Yeah. So one pack of my indicators can pretty much replace any other size indicator that you have. So from using something that's like wool and floatant, that needs floating on it all the way up to one of those bigger indicator, you know, bubbles that you might, you might see and scare fish with. Mm-hmm. And it still hits the water without a splash. So you can, you can stack these things as many high as you can pretty much fit on there. You know, I, I in an indicator pack, the way that it comes is I put a, a single, pu- uh, a, a single puck on there and two double pucks. And then I throw two extra air pucks in there for my users and pretty much that means you get a single, a double, and a triple, and then you can even take that and make it into a quadruple puck or five or six. You know what I mean? It's just, it's insane how diverse you can make it and adapt to your needs. We're chatting today with Stephen Sunik from Ghost Tech Indicator, some cutting-edge stuff. I've really been looking forward to chatting with you for quite some time about this. So, I mean, they're stackable. I watched how you put them together. The thing I like, too the most is is the weight i mean because i know myself like we fish a lot of still waters uh, to to make an example for you so sure. we're fishing say 18 foot liter maybe some weighted chronomets with some tungsten beads and then the indicator ahead of that you may have a swivel even um and in some some provinces or states maybe another fly um that indicator is not adding any weight to your rig right not really no i mean it's I, I wouldn't say it's virtually weightless, but I've I've put every single product that I know of, popular product on a scale, all the way from the tiny football foam ones all the way up to the hard plastics, and it's it's lighter than every single one of them. Hmm. The only one, you know, the wool I think is probably the only one that can that can match it for weight. But the issue with wool is once again you got to put floating on it. You know what I mean? You got to cut them, you got to manufacture them, and you can never get those things to ha- to handle weight, yeah. right? They're they're meant for like really super light light stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So these these indicators, I, I haven't really uh, measured as much like how how much weight I can put on there without submerging it. But you know, in, in Pennsylvania, we have a beautiful uh, Erie Lake run steelhead, 
And just last December, when I was still doing some prototyping, I was fishing with my friends out there, you know, three, four, five split shot, like heavy split shot, white, like jig headed zonkers and, uh, you know, uh, glass egg beads. And we put like four or five pucks on, on for our, our ghost stack. And those things were floating strong. Mm. You know, it's, it, it probably could have went down to three, you know, but I like to be a little bit more buoyant in, in like the heavier water flows. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's all, that's the nice thing about it is it's adaptable. And, uh, with Erie, it's like a big drainage system. So you can go from pretty much green, like the best water like that you can imagine, and maybe by the next day, if you go there for, for a weekend, that can be gym clear. So you're talking about having to go from like extreme variances there, and what's nice for Erie is these indicators will work for both conditions. Right. Yeah. No, it sounds very versatile. And you're you, you, you nailed it. You're in perfect area to to test products, aren't you? Because uh, we, believe it or not, we have a we have a lot of listeners in in Pennsylvania area, and um, it's come up on the program a lot that the diversity of waters that you have is pretty much second to none. Oh, absolutely, and it, it goes back to that thing that you were talking about earlier. You know, we're if you take fly fishing from a a hunting kind of like criminal perspective and you're out there and you're actively pursuing and trying to increase your odds as much as possible. One thing you definitely don't want is to have a, a, a sling pack or a pouch full of 80 different products, right? Yeah. You want to be able to be lean and mean and, and travel quickly and not stumbling all over yourself. And yeah, that cuts, this that thing cuts down on the noise. Eliminates it. You know, all. sometimes you have too many options. Sure. It's like flies. If you have too many, it's just background noise. It's like, look at, let's focus on what works. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, this is, the, the ghost tech is stupid easy. You know what I mean? You take it out, you put one puck on there. If you're, you're using some, some lighter flies, if it starts to sink too much, don't change your weight right away. Just add another air puck on there. Mm. You know, you have to take it off your line, take the screw off to put another air puck on, but add another one. Still sinking? Go another one. It's, you know, you're never without. You're always, you're always fully prepared to adapt and, and you know, to go on the hunt and, and go after what you're, you're, you're going after. You know, it cuts down that noise that you're talking about. Stephen, who, who would you say has been the biggest influence on your fly fishing to date? Is there a person or persons that have uh, kind of helped you along the way? Oh, geez. You know, it's to, to be honest, I, I'm self-taught, you know, aside from YouTube. You know, there's some awesome folks on YouTube that have really inspired me. I've never even had the opportunity to shake, shake their hand. I wish I did. You know, there's... There's just so many people, you know, the guys from Mad River uh, that have a nice YouTube channel, Wooly, Wooly Bug on YouTube, uh, Allegheny Natives. You know, of course, those guys are, are excellent. Tom Rosenbauer, you know, mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to shake his hand last year at the fly fishing show, one of the, one of the few. I mean, I just drive in my car and listen to podcasts and just dissect what you needed to do. Right. You know, so it's. And there's and I, and I do apologize. There's probably a ton that I'm, I'm leaving out, you know, that are that are out there. It's just sometimes you just gotta get get out there and do it yourself, you know. 
What's been your biggest takeaway as far as your business? So developing these indicators, like if, when you look back at the journey so far, what would you say mm-hmm. you've taken from this trip? Oh, I'd say humbleness towards the community. You know, I, it's, I, I'm really blessed to be able to see all the different people that are, that are coming back to me and saying, you know, this, this indicator, it didn't change our life. Right. But it definitely put them on more fish and, you know, maybe by association that kind of changed their life. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know catching more fish certainly makes me feel a little bit better, you know, and you have a product out there that works in just about, I'd say 80 to 90%. You might even be able to go as far as saying a hundred percent water conditions, right? It casts naturally like there's nothing even on your, on your line and it doesn't spook fish. Like it just makes everything simplistic. And then when you come back and hear people saying the same, same things that you say in your mind while you're making these, right? right. It just gives you that validation and, and humbleness that you're, you're on the right path, you know? And it's, it's been a game changer for some people because it's so the, the weight of it is so sensitive. So there's people out there that are probably fishing with indicators today that are getting bites and they don't even know that they're getting them, right? It only takes half a second for a trout to spit your fly. Well, these things are so lightweight. Sometimes you only see them turn like an eighth of an inch and that's a fish, you know, set the hook. Hook sets are free, as my my one friend Dennis says all the time. That's good stuff. What's your favorite, if you had to pick a place uh, in your neck of the woods, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, to go and talk fly fishing, is there a local shop or coffee shop or brewery or somewhere you you like to frequent? Well, I tell you what, we have a great local uh, fly fishing community uh, Facebook page mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the Lehigh Valley really participate well. I can't really say that there's a lot of fly fishing talk that happens. It's more so like just, uh, uh, I don't want to say like emotional support, but it's kind of like a, like a, like a, just a club for a bunch of people to get around and, you know, tease, tease each other a little bit, you know, just some, some good action, you know, that in, in my local, you know, a travel limited chapters is a great opportunity too. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a really great, great group of guys at, uh, TU Monocacy chapter, super active, super knowledgeable. I'd say I'd ha- it'd probably be a split between the two of them, you know? Yeah. No, you, I know you got a you got a definite hardcore fishing community in, in your state, no doubt. Um, I'm going to ask you to paint a little picture for us, Stephen. Like maybe you could um, describe your perfect day on the water. What does that? What kind of water are you fishing? I assume you probably got a, a Ghost Tech Strike indicator on there, but walk us through your perfect day on the water. Oh, geez, perfect day for me. Little bit of rain. I'm going to say, I love, I love just standing out in the rain because I know a lot of people aren't going to be there in masks. A lot of mistakes that you can make as an angler and slight green tint, you know, water levels. I can adapt to the water levels. You know, like you're saying, if I'm fishing with a ghost tech, I can adapt with that. You can go from indicator fishing all the way to tight line. It's so, it's so light on there. You know, you can actually use an Eero style, uh, tight lining technique, which is like a hybrid that my friend Dennis and I came up with that you can go and fish just any body of water, any kind of flow, but perfect ideal, little bit of rain and that 
you know, that, that green almost reminds you of the ocean, mm. you know, that kind of green water. That's, that's money right there. Yeah. What, what kind of uh, species of fish are you targeting? Well, mostly out here in, in eastern Pennsylvania, targeting big brown trout if we can get them. You know, we have uh, quite a few stock rainbows as well. Um, you know, Pennsylvania does a pretty good stocking program. And then, of course, you know, we have uh, wild native brook trout here, too. Those are probably the three mm-hmm. that we're primarily targeting, but I don't turn down any kind of fish. <laughs> so, you know, you can put a rod in my hand. I don't care what it is. I'm, I'm going to go fish it. When you're targeting you know? these browns, say, in your home state, with an indicator, mm-hmm. I assume you're probably fishing a nymph of some sort. What are you fishing? Um, you mean my, like, go-to fly? Yeah, exactly. What, 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 what are you tying on your line more often than not, if you had a go-to? Well, I tell you what, my, my, I, I really believe in what they call a confidence pattern. I think everyone should have just one fly that is just in their back pocket that they know is going to fish no matter what. That way you can focus on your technique. Because I really think 98% of what we're doing in the water is all technique, right? Hmm. So if I had to, if I had to say my confidence pattern is probably the Higgis SOS. Yep. Are you familiar with the... I, I am, but that, may, that maybe... Deadly little... You might just, just describe it, uh, like what color, um, um, what size? Yeah, the, pretty much the size that I use is around like an 18 or a 16, bead-headed. Uh, I do a couple variants, so I don't really tie any flies to the pattern or, uh, you know, recipe, as they call it, mostly because... I don't have those materials all the time. So just kind of adapt. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty much just a black uh, pheasant tail on the end, um, a very thin body that uh, has some ri- some ribs on it from, you know, some silver wire all the way up, oh, just a little bit of dubbing on there. And then it has like a flashback mm. with like these leg things that I don't know if they consider them legs or not on the fly. But uh, like tinsel, tinsel kind of wing legs, I guess you can call them. Little, yeah. little bit of a tractor, you know. Right. That uh, if you have it, the best thing to do is not go from my my audio of how I'm describe, describing it, but go look up Higgis SOS. It's it's just an all all around good fly, and it just works, you know. That and put a little midge. Those are my those are my two two go tos. Yeah, good stuff. Somebody wants to check out your indicators online, or I'd like you to throw out some of your social media handles. Where where do they find you on Instagram, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. So my uh, Instagram is going to be the same as my website. So it's ghost tech with one T S I. So that's G H O S T S I for my Instagram page. You can also look on Facebook for us too. And then of course, if you want to go to our website where you can order, uh, in the states it's ghosttechsi.com that's one thing i wanted to ask you availability of your indicators is that the best place right now online or in some select fly shops near you uh tell us where where you're at you know we're we're a small growing business we just started in january this year so we are making our way into the fly shops you know with 100 percent usa manufactured product we're we're just trying to grow and, and keep going so the first thing that I recommend people doing is ask the fly shops if they know if they have them or if they've stocked them. That way you don't have to worry about shipping. 
because um, we do have a little bit of a shipping charge unless you order four or more. Uh, four or more is free on, on, on me. I take care of my, my customers that way. But for, you know, for the majority of the folks in the United States right now, as it sits in, in, in August, the best thing to do is to go online and, and, and order on there. Good stuff. That's easy enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing those in fly shops near me soon, I can tell you that much. And uh, I know you're going to do really well with this product. I got a bit of a philosophical uh, spin for you. Um, if there's something oh, you could beautiful. change about fly fishing, is there anything you'd like to see us, Stephen, do differently? Oh, 1,000%. Okay. <laughs> I'd, I'd really like to um, change the attitude of keyboard warriors on the in the fly fishing community yeah i i just don't know what it is but and i'm gonna point out who which which market or which demographics doing it the 50 year old dudes who are sitting behind a keyboard and they're telling you what you're doing wrong without even knowing what you're doing wrong you know there's a lot of people that go to the internet especially facebook to to learn right right and people are trying to ask questions and these guys come out and they just want to start a fight but what is most bizarre about that is every single time i've ever been on the water with a fly rod every single person i've ever seen who also has a fly rod has offered to help has probably even offered me flies and they are literally the nicest group of people that I've ever met in the fishing community. Mm -hmm. But there's something about putting a fly fisherman behind a keyboard on a Facebook page that turns them (laughs) into an animal that I just cannot put my finger on. And I think people just need to open their eyes and just say, like, whoa, what am I doing here? Am I going to be who I am on the street? Or am I going to just try to be arrogant and show everyone how smart I am? No one really cares. That's good stuff. You know I, mean? I, I love it. Keyboard warrior. I actually hadn't heard that term, and I like the way you described that because I think that's almost what happens. It's like someone's alter ego. It's like, hey, let's not overthink this here. You know, if you don't want to have anything positive to contribute, then then maybe don't say anything. Well, sure. And, you know, I think it's just, you know, people, there's definitely going to be people out there that are just trying to get a giggle. And, you know, at one point they probably hurt someone else's feelings. And then people that are not really used to, you know, growing up with social media like some younger folks are, Mm -hmm. they don't really always understand the etiquette and the correspondence and things like that. So they get, you know, tagged one time by someone just trying to be making a buddy-buddy kind of joke. They take it to heart. Now they think the whole Internet works that way. That's That's the only way I can describe what i think might be happening there that's interesting but who knows no that's that's a real (laughs) interesting spin it it makes no sense man i mean how many times have you been on the water run into a fly fisherman and they literally want to give you every fly in their box pretty much every time pretty much every time right it's one thousand percent you go and you're going to meet a fly fisherman out there provided that you're not like you know, kind of going to their spot, rubbing elbows with them while they're trying to, to fish and do whatever, they're going to give you almost a shirt off their back, tell you what they want, hold your hand a little bit, you know, like to, in trying to guide you if you're a new, a new person to it. Right. But that, man, there's some kind of magic that goes on that, on that internet that makes people 
turn. (laughs) It's funny. I just laugh at it. Have you got any crazy stories from your time on the water, Stephen? Anything weird or wonderful that's happened to you in, in recent memory out there? Oh, man. There was a day that I was fishing with my friends from Erie, uh, PA. If you, if you have a chance, um, they're ECO. They, they make handmade custom nets out there. Uh, a bunch of guys that I went to college with. And uh, recently in December, they called me up. They said, Steve, you know, you got to get out here. The, the water's going to be perfect tomorrow. So, uh, you know, for me, from Bethlehem to, to Erie, it's like a six-hour drive, which in Pennsylvania terms, that's, that's a long hike for some fish, you know? Mm-hmm. But we went out there, woke up real early, had a great time, and just hammered steelhead. Just, I mean, we just, you know, couldn't keep them off the hook, you know? And the, the weirdest part about it, we're hooking up underneath ghost tech using zonkers and things like that, and no one else around us really doing anything. You know, there's guys crowding other holes. We just had the place for ourselves. It's complete magic. And then, you know, the next day we go up and do it again, and we just started slamming just brown trout, like these big 26, almost 30-inch brown trout, wow. which is super rare in, in Erie, you know. And I can't really say anything like wild or crazy happened, but just memory-wise with, you know, my three best friends fly fishing, that's just, I'll never forget it, you know. Think how many things have to align to make, I always remember those trips too, because they're so few and far between, but how many things have to align to make that type of fishing possible? Oh, yeah. I mean, just perfect conditions. And I tell you what, the weirdest part about it, perfect conditions on Saturday, Sunday when we're hitting the brown trout, gin clear water. So it went from, you know, you asked me earlier, like, what's my favorite water type? That green, almost sea ocean kind of kind of flow mm-hmm. where you can mask off what you're doing. That was Saturday, and we were hammering steelhead. Next day, gin clear. Now we got all these brown trout around us. And it was just, hmm. they're not common. You know, in, in Erie, the brown trout are not, not really common. So it was just fish after fish after fish both days and, I, I, I tell you what, I think it wasn't even so much the fish. I think it was more so, for me, the conversations with my friends, you know, the inside jokes we have, the, you know, busting each other a little bit, you know, joking around, you know, tell, like just guys having a good time on the water. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We probably could have caught like one fish that day and we probably still would have had a great time. <laughs> yeah, that it's sounds just, that sounds like a perfect trip for sure. Yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit about your style of fishing. Maybe I'll open up some uh, um, Pandora's box of creativity over there. So, what, you're British Columbia, right? Yeah. So I'm. Steelhead? I'm in the interior of British Columbia. So I always say Kamloops area. I'm actually further south than that, but um, you know, yeah. so we're fishing those lakes. We're fishing for mostly rainbow trout. There's some. There's some large brook trout as well but a lot of still water there's not a lot of real good um river stream creek fishing if you will there's some of it don't get me wrong but it's yeah. primarily and that's why indicators really fascinate me because i'm i'm absolutely addicted to catching fish with indicators i, I love the um you know the ability to fish vertical especially with chronomids because let's face it that's what they're doing they're they're coming straight up and you can cast out yeah. with an indicator here with 
uh, you know, say uh, in 15 feet of water, be 14 feet down and just slowly, slowly, painfully slow retrieving that. Uh, and the trout has a lot of time to look at it. So in my mind, your indicators would would fit that bill really well. The fact that they're stackable too, because you're looking at a fair bit of weight underneath. And I find that when I throw some heavier, you know, foam or plastic, uh, you know, indicators, it, it takes away from from the the casting, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's like the one thing that we found out about the the great tech strike indicators. They're so lightweight, and you know, when you put a big, heavy bobber style indicator on your line you're creating a fulcrum right so anything from changing flies to your cast when you have the heaviest thing is the is a a hard plastic indicator on the middle of your line that fulcrum you're more likely to get tangled up Mm. right what are you doing when you're when you're tangled you're not fishing right so even if you just went at fishing from a percentile type of attitude where it's I don't have as much time because I'm tangled, you're bound to catch more fish, right? Because you're putting the ghost tech on there, it's one-sixth the weight of other indicators, you know, 17%, and you don't have that fulcrum on the middle of your line because it's not, it's lighter than your split shot in most cases. You know, split shot, if you're not even using split shot in most cases, it's, it's as heavy as your, as your nymph or lighter weight. Right. Now, you know, for you... Um, hearing that you, you know, I never really thought about fishing for trout from lakes that much until I started getting requests from guys from California and Montana were the two big places that were asking me about, you know, can you float a balanced, balanced jig? Mm. Is that yeah, kind I, of what you I do, that, do out there? I do that all the time. So, I mean, I mean, you're probably hearing from the Pyramid Lake gang, like the, that type of fishing or crawling, sure. right? Yeah. 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 Hmm. They, so, that's the one thing that I'm not, you know, I'm going to be perfectly honest about what I do. Everything that I do is 100% truthful. This thing's not designed for a lake. So I haven't tested on a lake, so I really can't say that it's ideal. And the only reason I say that is if you think about how my indicator lays on the water, it's a flat profile, mm-hmm. right? So, which is really good when you're fishing on, you know, say somewhere out in like Colorado or Idaho where you have a lot of like winds, you know, crosswinds from the mountains and you're trying to fish an open country. Right. You know, you're not going to get blown off your drift from a crosswind. Cause it's, it's, it's literally, if you're using like one puck or if you're using the right amount of um, pucks to weight ratio, it's going to sit on the surface of the water, right? Right. So in your case, if you're fishing a lake, you have a little bit of breeze and waves, you are, you might be a little bit too close to the surface and might be losing some of that. And maybe like a, I don't know, like two to four inch wave, you might lose that. So, you know, to be perfectly honest, I, it's not designed for that, but I've never tested it. But I'm seeing guys that are casting these things like 40, 50 feet and with balanced leeches, and they love them. Mm. so that's that's exactly you know, in that case i gotta trust them yeah you know well and in my mind the one thing is is that um if the strike indicator doesn't move so in other words it's fixed to your line if you're 15 feet down 
Um, some, some guys will say, well, that's, that's a bit of an issue when you're trying to land a fish because unless your rod's super long, obviously your indicator is fixed sure. and the fish is still 15 feet away from you. But I actually don't have a problem with that because we, we fish mostly with 10 foot rods and, you know, there's usually a way to, to get a fish in fairly comfortably, whether your indicator moves or not. Yeah. And that's, you know, like the nice thing about like how we're going about the whole process is we are working on adaptations for it too. Mm-hmm. So I can't really release anything yet, but I'm constantly thinking of different things that we can come up with just to make the experience better. Cause at the end of the day, I only want something that I'm, that I would want as an angler. I'm not in this to make money. I'm in this to provide something that's going to work for people. Mm-hmm. And that's why I approach it with hundred percent honesty and integrity. Like I don't want to go out and say to you, Oh yeah, it's going to be killer on, on a lake. You know, it might not. It might not fit for that. You might need to go and use a different type that you're used to. But what I do know is, is if they're super sensitive bites, it's going to work. Right. You know, it's you're going to see stuff that you can't see with big bobber types until they're hooked. And the way I see it, too, you could just stack more on. If the, if the profile's too low, what's to stop you from just stacking it a sure. bit more, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's the one thing with my air pots. Um, they're super durable when it comes to pressure. Um, you know, if you go on my website, there's a lot of instructional videos of like how to put it on, how to adapt it. Um, one of the, uh, videos I have there is I actually take a pair of pliers and I squeeze my indicator bubbles all the way down until the, the pliers completely close. That bubble won't burst. Hmm. Right. So, with that, the only thing that can really damage a bubble is a sharp piercing object. So if you're futzing around and get a hook in it, it's going to pop. If you get a, you know, a raspberry bush where it's got some, you know, thorns on it, you're going to pop it. So it's not bulletproof, but it's darn near close. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, absolutely. But that being said, because you can put a lot of pressure on it, I've had like eight that I can get onto one line at one time. And my, my threads aren't that, that thick. So you can compress the heck out of these things and keep just stacking and stacking and stacking. The issue is that, you know, with a product that's so innovative and just so different than anything else that anyone is used to, I have to put it in the packaging in a way that people can figure it out, you know what I mean, so they can hack it. Yeah. If I started putting, like, three, that's why I don't put three pucks, is because when you, you look at my indicator, there's a horizontal slit in it, and then it goes down vertically. That horizontal slit allows you to put the indicator on the line without having to take the, the fastening nut off, off your indicator at all. So while you're using this and attaching it to your line, you don't even have to take the nut off. You're not going to worry about dropping and losing parts in the water. Right. Yeah. Right? But that being said need to be able to see that horizontal slip until you're comfortable enough to get it onto your line. So when you start putting three, four, five, six, whatever pucks on there, it makes it a little bit more challenging to, to first time users. So I don't I don't put it I don't market it that way. Well the first time I saw yeah. your indicators was it was quite a while ago and I, I know you said you've been doing it since January, so it must have been not that long after that, but I actually did have to go online to kind of physically see how they work because it's um, it's definitely a different process. But I think I think you're definitely onto something here, and um, I wish you the best of luck. 
Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. And thanks for being so honest about it too. I always it's it's interesting. I love discovering the process in which um, things are kind of, you know, how these inventions come to be. And we're going to definitely follow you every step of the way. And uh, if we can ever help you out, well, thank you. love to have you on the program in the future. And it, it, one quick question I do want to ask you, is there other colors? Because originally it was just white, right? Oh, yeah, good question. So uh, in the last few months, I just used uh, yellow and orange. Uh, I'm doing some testing on other colors as well. Um, but right now those are the two that are available on the website. You know, if I get enough inquiries about a specific color, I can run you know, fast, you know, I can I run lean and mean. So, which it makes me really, you know, just adaptable to, to pretty much what my consumers are looking for. So, you know, I've gotten some requests about glow in the dark. I've gotten requests about, um, you know, the, uh, neon green kind of colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, pink is a, is a big one. I, I haven't manufactured them yet because they, um, the response for, Orange and yellow has been so, you know, so in high demand. Right. I'm not, I haven't just, I don't want to just keep moving on and making new stuff without locking in the inventory that I have here. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, and, and to be honest, if you want to hear the real truth, white is the best color anyway. You know, white is going to be the color that fish aren't going to care about. You can see it really, you know, really well in just about most of your conditions. If, you absolutely need to um, add some color, take a Sharpie marker. You can take a Sharpie on there. It's super vibrant. You can do any color that you want. You can even add, you know, lines onto it with multiple colors to show you things that you can't really see with other, with other indicators. You know, like when I fish here in December and I'm using, you know, 20, like 20, 22 midges, those fish are just opening their mouth and just holding onto it for a hot second. And all that will translate to an indicator will be like a 16th or an eighth of a turn. You better set the hook because that's a fish. You know, mm. if you start putting lines on, onto my white indicators, that will show you more about, you know, how your fly is moving underneath. And, you know, they're just super sensitive. So they're telling you a bunch of stuff. So if, uh, if your listeners out there, you know, just want to get started, white and a Sharpie marker with whatever color they want is great. But if if they if they just go on my website and email me, I'm I'm here to help people. So feel free to email me anytime. Ask me what colors you guys or tell me what colors you guys want, and I'll uh, I'll start looking into the process to do it. Good stuff. Well, thanks again for for sharing with us tonight, Stephen. I, I really appreciate your time and and ha- have a great season. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you too, my friend. I'll have to get up up, up your way and uh, do with the fishing. Absolutely, let's do it. That's Stephen Sunik from Ghost Tech Strike Indicators. The Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.